Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 14. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple getting to know each other better by exposing each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. If you like the show, please tell your friends, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider leaving us a quick review on iTunes to help other people find us. Um, Go ahead and follow us on Facebook as well. Just search Shut Up and Watch This. All right. This time on the show, what did we cover? Uh, We talked about uh, The Remains of the Day, which is from 1993. 1993, and this is Dave's pick. It is a story, it's based on a novel by... A man named... Is this the Beatles song? I know the lyrics. (laughs) Jim? No. (laughs) It's based on a novel by a man named... What is it? Okay. Um, Kazuo Ishiguro, which is not a good Beatles lyric because it's hard to rhyme things with Ishiguro. Okay, keep going. Now I'm going to try. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Uh, So it is starring Emma Thompson and Anthony Hopkins. um, And as uh, former housekeepers in a great house in the country of England. And um, in the country of England. (laughs) Uh, You know, it starts off, you know, in, in the far future and then goes into the past Um, where they work together for a gentleman during uh, the time leading up to World War II. Lord Darlington. Lord Darlington um, of Darlington Court. Hall. Hall, Hall, not court. Anyway, (laughs) so um, you get the impression that um, Emma Thompson was quite fond of Anthony Hopkins, and it's all a big character study on Emma Thompson and the relationship with Anthony Hopkins. What were their names in the... This is so fascinating that you see it as a character study of Emma Thompson when it's a movie about Stevens the butler. Yes. Well, I guess it... I mean, well, I said them both. I know, but it's just funny because both times as you framed the story. No, I think it's... it's, I'm sorry. It's it's certainly accurate to... I mean, you can make those arguments, but it was funny because you said it's about a housekeeper and and then... then, um, And and the butler. Yeah, and the butler. The buttles. Yeah. Okay. I love so I love Emma Thompson. Of course, I'm gonna frame it in that she is. I I I was just thinking I need a shirt that says Emma Thompson is my spirit animal or something. Okay, like so that. you usually ask me why I picked this movie, and that was one of the reasons yeah. that this stood out <laughs> to me as something that I've know I've asked you a bunch of times that Have you ever seen Remains of the Day? Because I know you're an Emma Thompson fan. Mm-hmm. I also know that you uh, that you like other films from this sort of heyday of Merchant Ivory movies in like the early 90s and stuff. Sense and Sensibility. It's not a Merchant Ivory film, but it is an Emma Thompson mm-hmm. film. We have the screenplay up there on our bookshelf. Yes. Um, Which is mine. I brought and that this, yeah. into this relationship. <laughs> so there's all that. Here was this period film from around that time with a lot of the same principles. Hugh Grant turns up in this film mm-hmm. as well. The great Anthony Hopkins. And I, I wanted you to see him in something other than Hannibal Lecter and see what else Which he can do. I was just going to say, that's the only other thing. Is it that really? I've, I mean, I've seen him I mean, you've other seen him things, in, but like... But as a leading man, yeah. can you get as polar opposite as yeah. Stevens the butler and the maniacal and devilishly intelligent Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of his early work at all. I mean, and because most of his work was from the, you know, what, late 60s, mid 70s kind of... That's his early time. Like, I haven't seen yeah. The Elephant Man or any of any of was he an equus i don't know i think he maybe was in the play equus? i have not anyway. read the play or seen the film <laughs> yeah. i have seen elephant man certainly he's in that yeah. and he's great um okay so i told you like some of the external reasons <laughs> yeah. about why i chose the film but to me personally 
It's funny that this keeps coming up on this show, but this is another one of those films from 1993. Mm. We've heard about this before. This was the time when Dave lived in London and went to lots of movies. Mm. I was living by myself. This movie had an emotional resonance then, mm-hmm. which is interesting because coming back now later, I don't have it anymore. And so oh, it's an example of something. I don't know. I know I've, I had seen it probably at least three times in the past, you know, since since seeing it for the first time in the movie theaters in London. But um, I experienced it in a completely different way, so, like from a distance this time. I don't know yeah. if I was too familiar with it. Uh, I'm, you know, it's 20, 25 years later. I'm a different person. Mm. Um, I'm a different point in my life. And so what is it that a 20 something year old Dave connected to in this movie that the 47 year old, hi everyone. Yes, it's true. Um, (laughs) doesn't appreciate or doesn't feel in the same way. I think, um, I'm going to answer some of that. Okay. (laughs) Right now. I think that some of what I connected to at the time was a certain kind of, um, loneliness and regret of that character, Stevens, Mm. who can't, express what he's feeling who misses out on his entire life his possibility to have a relationship to you know marry and grow old with miss kenton the housekeeper who he clearly loves but can't even admit to himself that he loves i mean he is so repressed that he can't really even acknowledge these feelings for himself he has to clothe them in terms of this house values you very much miss kenton you are very important to the house (laughs) and we're going well we know what you're really saying here um so this so long story short the dave who saw this film in 1993 was having kind of a weird winter in in (laughs) in london um staying in a in that flat you know, mm. we went to visit over the summer, actually. Yeah. Um, in London by myself, it was it was dark and cold and gray, and I was lonely. I had a couple of friends, and there was a girl back home who I never said the things I wanted to say to, and so there's a story of, like, missed chances and regret that's kind of buried in there. So there was definitely a pining Dave yeah. who, who connected with, uh, you know, there's uh, a seize the day, kind of moment that happens and then there's a being sad and having regret that you loved but lost because you never did anything about it or said anything about it so i think i connected with that this exaggerated character Mm -hmm. uh, you know who that personal level of the story when in fact this movie's about so much else because it brings into you know right before world war ii and this whole there's this whole conference that Lord Darlington, his his um, employer, uh, is having with other aristocrats, uh, you know, from all around the world's mm-hmm. delegation to kind of on the sidelines, you know, causing a sort of appeasement or detente against Germany. Yeah. And the Nazis, basically, that sort of allows a lot of that to happen. Yeah. That was a mouthful, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fascinating trying to figure out what it meant then and what it means now to me. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting that that you were so attracted to I mean, I get this came up in our conversation about naked as well is that that character was also lonely and unable to express himself in a in a functional way, although, you know, ultimately, you know, Anthony Hopkins Stevens is, is considerably less violent. <laughs> yes, yes, than, in his than, uh, um, Inability to reach out in an emotional way. Um, so yeah, I can see that if um, 
yeah, I can I can definitely see that. I I really enjoyed this film. It's totally up my alley as far as this sort of thing. The one thing, well, yeah, tell me, tell me. I'll say so. Two things. One, it reminded me a lot of Brief Encounter. Um, Another film I love, which I had not seen until we there was a Criterion sale and we went and bought a bunch of Criterions and one of the ones that I bought was Brief Encounter and that one was really. Um, poignant and emotional for me when we watched it um, last year sometime, um, you know, mm-hmm. as someone, you know, c- coming out of an unhappy relationship into a much happier one, um, you know, that sort of, that sort of feeling from Brief Encounter, but you know. But it's so <laughs> British yeah. and understated yeah, because exactly. it's that same thing of this deep, wrenching, emotional, mm-hmm. like, thing that's happening that they to can barely contain. That they, and yet, it just never even comes to the surface. Yeah, they it's don't all, say it ever. They never do anything. They never. They barely yeah. hold hands. They go to a movies during the day, yeah. you know, without their <laughs> their mates knowing. Yeah. And it's like this this charged affair yeah. or almost affair. But in their minds, they, there's this affair. They yeah. were, you know, they cheated on in 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 mind and yeah. in heart against their spouses. But it's so British that yeah. nothing ever actually really happens in and a way. And we had a lot of the same sort of thing, you know. Well, the thing that's so frustrating, like there's the scene like towards the end of their time together when, um, you know, she's trying to bring him to say something. So she's like... Wait, are we talking about Remains of the Day? No, or? no, no. Uh, yeah, Remains of the Day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the movie that we just watched. Yeah. Talking. There's the point at the end where they've been clearly for maybe years been spending the evenings together, you know? Yeah. And then she just says something like she was having a hard time emotionally or something like that. And, you know, she just says something to the effect of, you know, you know, can, can we end our, our discussion? She's this like, evening? I have a little bit of a headache. I'm really tired. I, can we not do this right now? And then what does he do? He, he's like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't spend the evenings together at all, ever, ever again. And then that ends. Yeah. This and that's, wonderful, that's the and end that of was it. this time that was yeah. so meaningful to them where they were yeah. actually kind of getting really close in a way. Yeah. And she's, he her headache is caused by the fact that she has a, another suitor mm-hmm. who's shown interest, who's, you know, been obvious about his interest in her. But you she know? doesn't feel yeah. it with yeah. him. She's not in love with him. But she also feels very trapped and stifled and really wants... I love the counterpoint of the young couple, Lizzie, yeah. the housekeeper, the, the under housekeeper under her, and mm. um, ben, Chaplin ben Chaplin as yeah. another one of the under butlers. Because mm-hmm. they have this little charged romance that just yeah. co- plays out in like 10, 15 minutes of screen mm-hmm. time where, you know, they're seen outside sharing a cigarette and kissing and, you know, she comes around the hedge and... And, yeah. um, and, you know, a little bit later, they're giving in their notice to go off and, and get, get married, married, be damned what comes. They have no yeah. money. They have no prospects. They don't know what's going to come of it, but they have each other. And they're mm. that they're like, they represent like life and emotion mm. and passion in a way that neither Miss Kenton nor, um, Stevens, the butler, Anthony Hopkins ever are able to yeah. feel. Well, and she wants that. Yeah, you she can does. see the way that she reacts to Lizzie, you yeah. know, and even kind of giving her her blessing, you know, like she that she wishes she could have that yeah. in her life, real life, real love, a family, all of that sort of thing. Yeah, it's not just him is the thing. <laughs> it's not just him. You said yeah. this at the end. You said, well, she didn't really say anything. I either. mean, well, and I understand, like, I know because I, I, I am a woman that grew up in, you know, not that far removed. This is, 
the expectation that women are supposed to be the receiver of certainly in 1930s yeah, 1940s yeah, 19, yeah, yeah. late 1930s um but I, I like i don't know she i mean she i guess she was as obvious as she could be without outright coming out and saying you know do you love me man um well, you know. she, I thought she was very clear when yeah. she, she comes back from her dates and her meetings with the other suitor. And, yeah, and especially when she gets the proposal, she says, there's, there's something you need to know. I have to tell you that Mr. Ben has yeah. asked me to marry him. And, and that um, she was thinking about and it. And she know? even says, is there anything that you want to... I mean, she sets him up yeah. for, is there anything that you have to say to this or that you want to say to this? And she's clearly distraught, really yeah. hoping and praying that this is the, the, the push he needs to actually finally do something. Look, we're at, it, it, she says later, I think there's a line of dialogue where she says she, it's years later when he yeah. finally, when they finally meet again, she says she didn't even really know that she was going to go through with it. Yeah. She, but something about that made her run off and just before yeah. she knew it, she was, she was off. Yeah. Gave in her notice, married this man, l- had a life with him, and then at, towards the end they've they're breaking up. Yeah, although I think Our, it I think sounded it like sounds like they're getting back together. Yeah, it was yeah. more like a separation, mm. and then the occasion of their their daughter having you know pregnant and, yeah. and about to have her own first child means a it, it's it's a, it it gives her a sign that she wants to make things work with her husband or yeah. estranged husband or whatever so that they can, you know, be the grandparents and live close by and kind of work that stuff out. It also means having her daughter there that she can't consider what Stevens wants most in his yeah. heart. The most <laughs> that he is able, able to admit to himself is he would really like Miss Kenton to come back and be the housekeeper again. And be the again. housekeeper again. Things were much better. So the house was much tidier. Yeah. <laughs> the house really valued Miss Kenton. Yeah. Yes, it's true. I love I I really think that one one of the excellent things about this film adaptation is the structure of the film that has this frame story of Stevens now yeah. on the road going, you know, driving through the country and on his way on this journey to meet Miss Kenton again 20, 25 years yeah. later in order to try and get her to come back to be housekeeper. Yeah. And he that's what he that's what he can acknowledge to himself that he wants. But we know he wants a second chance. He wants yeah. He wants the late night conversations <laughs> by the fire again. Yeah. He wants her. But all he can bring himself to say to anybody is that she is an excellent housekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> and Darlington Hall could certainly use her again. It's it's interesting. The other thing that I noticed particularly and you know, I haven't read this book, but... I know, have read the book, so I yeah, can talk a little bit about the well, adaptation. You know, the adaptation to me felt a little... I didn't realize that years were going by um, until they mentioned it. Like, I didn't realize that we were in the house with them, like, because they show her getting hired, mm-hmm. and then there's, like, maybe, like, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour of her mm-hmm. living in the house but I didn't realize at that time. But that, we see before that, World War II starts, really yeah. through, I think, you know, by the time that Lord Darlington is like kind of a hollow shell of a man, I think all of the Hitler stuff and all has mostly played out. Don't yeah, you think? that's that's the, I guess, but I don't think we even make it up until the war, you know. 
Because they mentioned a few things that um, that Reginald Cardinal Hugh Grant's character was killed in the war. I don't necessarily I mean, like the, think this is a failing. I yeah. think that the blurring of the lines also makes sense because of Stephen's life is much the same mm-hmm. always, and it yeah. goes on, and it is a series of routines and mm. um you know this year three years after four years after miss kenton is hired is much like four years ago i mean you know yeah. there's not there's a sameness mm-hmm. that sort of makes sense i don't know i can i can make a justification yeah for that. yeah it's it's just interesting because there was i mean they were very much background characters to the mr stevens and mrs kenyon but it's yeah. kenton but it's um it it was a little weird sometimes because like there's a whole like backstory where they hire some Jewish refugees from mm-hmm. uh, to be housemaids, mm-hmm. and then you know he's reading some terrible Nazi material and he decides to fire the housemaids, mm-hmm. and then he comes around, you mm-hmm. know, and it just seems like that happens a little quickly, like that level of you know oh let me delve into weird German nationalism and then come out of it. It seems like that particular storyline seems a little, it seemed a little fast as the, far as the, the part the, involving the girls primarily. Yeah, primarily. Maybe. Yeah. But I think that so like almost from when we first meet Lord Darlington, we're seeing the preparations for his first big conference of, yeah. of delegates, you know, to, you know, to talk about mm. the German situation. And, um, I don't, it does, it does unfold over the course of much of the movie, yeah. the various stages of starting with this this conference. The American delegate, played by Christopher yeah. Reeve, objecting to this is a room full of amateurs trying yeah. to manipulate things on the stage, and you know, not understanding. You guys what's are going. Play. You yeah. guys are yeah. You don't understand what's at play or what you're dealing with in yeah. terms of the Nazis. Um, and so you do get to that point where, almost on the other side of it, uh, Darlington has been proven yeah. wrong, right? He's he's the one, he's having he's having secret conferences with um, Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain leading up to all of that. There'll, there won't be a war in our time, and, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, like I said, I haven't read the book, but it does, it, at least in the adaptation, display a, a, an intense understanding of the political forces that went into play into leading up to the Second World War, you know, coming out of the First World War and all the economic consequences on Germany. And like... Well, I was wondering how much of this drawing room sort of diplomacy was going on that did actually lead to... Is this actually based on any sort of real group of people and... Well, and, you know, at that time, you know, also Britain is coming out of the sort of House of Lords rule. It's it's becoming more democratic, you know. Uh So there's a transition and, like, our world actually transitioned from a, from a, you know, not so modern thing. The war, you know, transformed society all over the world, essentially, or all over the Western world. Here's one of the essential points of the movie that I like thematically that I think you get to both in Stevens and his personal life and Lord Darlington and what's unfolding Mm -hmm. there is you have this idea and they even, you know, signal it in the dialogue Mm -hmm. sometimes about the old world of gentlemen and gentlemen's ways, you know, and Lord Darlington is from a time where, you know, you, you, you know, he, it, 
you don't treat your enemy like that after you, you know, after yeah. World War One. You know, what we did to them was unfathomable, you know, yeah. uh, and it's not the way that gentlemen behave. And so you have the end of that era yeah. becoming the era of Nazis, the Holocaust, um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the mm. atomic weapons. It is this era of absolute devastation and blood. It's not a gentleman's world anymore. Yeah. It, the old ways, and, and I don't know if we are sort of. It's a British novel. It's a it's a British film. So we are sorting sort of looking at the character of the English yeah. gentleman, uh, which you know, and the fox hunting and all of this stuff. That's it's lived its time, and yeah. it's it's no longer. Well, it's no I- longer a way to operate <laughs> the world, and so Stevens, the butler, is sort of the you know part of that too. Yeah. What does he have at the end of the day? At the remains of the day. He's lived this this <laughs> life that completely sublimates and yeah. represses everything. Yeah, the, and, you know, they suggest that... For discipline and yeah. honor and tradition. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's interesting. What I know about Merchant Ivory and what I've seen, because, like, I think that either one or both of them had had their fingers in a lot of the sort of movies that are, you know, presented in these English country houses like this, so... Um, I can't remember which of them was involved in Gosford Park, but that is that is in there. I think that one of them was also involved in the production of Downton Abbey. Well, they, that's um, Julian Fellows. Oh, that's right. Wrote okay. Gosford Park and uh, and of course that's appe- right. Okay, uh, is I the creator gonna, of Downton Abbey. So then I'm taking this a little far then. But yeah. anyway, I think that there's it's a, all of a piece, yeah, but I don't think it's there's Merchant a Ivory. fascination I think that a lot of people have with that transition period starting in the, you know, late 20s, early 30s into the war years and how that changed British society. You know, there seems to be a lot of work about that um, in there, you know, so so it it was instantly familiar to me as as that, you know, where they're investigating that particular the um, last vestiges of the, you know, lords. Well, (laughs) another fascinating thing is Stephen's has no curiosity about what's going on around him. His his niche role is his entire yeah. purpose, his entire being is to be a manservant. Yeah. You know, and to run this household. And he does it very well. He's the best of the best. I mean That's the, his whole identity. It's he his has, entire identity. Yeah. But after um years later when Darlington has uh, been, you know, thrashed about in in the press for having been, you know, somebody to give concessions to Hitler and to kind of get the country into the war and all of that stuff. Um, Stevens is challenged a number of times. Like, well, what did you think of all of this that was going on? Did you agree with him? And, and well, his, his was (laughs) like, it's not mine to agree or disagree. Like my, my job is to, um, to serve the master. Either that or he (laughs) downright lies and plays this sort of, like in the yeah. bar in the country pub on his drive yeah. where he breaks down, where he kind of, you know, acts as if he's a, gen- they, all the yeah. country folk in that little village pub take him to be a gentleman. Cause yeah. he's dri- driving his, he's driving his employer's Daimler yeah. classic car and, you know, ha- speaks the way that a butler speaks, which is up, upper class to yeah. them. And, uh, and, they, you know, he mentions he he lets it <laughs> he lets them believe like he yeah. used to hobnob with you know prime minister with Churchill and prime ministers and all that sort of thing, which he may have as a butler. Well, it's what I thought was interesting is you know his father is in in it until he dies essentially yeah, he on the job essentially on 
as an underbutler, his father has a lower class accent. It's mm-hmm. like a, I don't know, but it's not. It's not. It's a, really it's not a formal. It's just British about a Cockney accent. accent yeah, I think. it's not a formal British accent. No. In the so I think that's interesting because like it's a sort of subtle way to indicate you know. I mean. The fact that he's acting as a servant also, you know, but mm-hmm. the, it, it throws in the idea of, of class again. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting. But There's no getting away from class. It's true. It's, um, well, and I just finished reading uh, Pride and Prejudice again this morning. So um, and knowing that comes that, up all the time. <laughs> knowing that you're reading your Austin books and stuff, I was like, oh, it's even it's perfect to go and look at a film like this. Yeah. So I have to tell you, like, we've talked about a lot of the big issues and the, the Nazism and all the d- diplomacy and dark. Arlington and all that but going back to the personal level and the stuff that originally resonated with me this the scene that is so affecting to me and it still is maybe not as much as it once was and I consider it to be the emotional like pivot of the yeah. whole film is that moment in when Stevens is reading quietly a book by himself in his study at the end of mm-hmm. the day and Miss Kenton comes in and says what is that you're reading yeah. And he won't show her the book and he holds it to his chest, really shy and embarrassed. Yeah. And she and, and it turns into a flirtation with her. Yeah. You know, well, are you reading something that you shouldn't be reading? And yeah. or you can't show it to me. And, she, you know, she kind of, you know, backs him into a yeah. corner around his desk. And he and there's a moment where she's trying to pry the book out of his hands. It's all they're now very close. Their heads are right next to each other. The, the room is dimly lit. It's so beautifully filmed and acting. And his eyes look up from the book to her and he's inches away from her. And it should be a moment where there's a kiss or a moment or Mm -hmm. some sort of declaration and the electricity is there. And then it's so overwhelming. And so he's so incapable of feeling or expressing any of what's playing out, even though you can see it in his eyes and Anthony Hopkins, it's an amazing, this is the scene they would show during the Oscars, right? You know, where you have the little scene when you're nominating. Uh, And then he ends up telling her to go away. Yeah. Because he prizes his time, his quiet time uh, more than anything else. And it's devastating to her and it's immediately a mistake to him. And that was the moment that that was the moment, the turning point. That was the moment that would have been the start of something. And um, I don't know. I'm almost tearing up yeah. right now because it's so it's so well played and it's so well done. Well, I mean, I think like ultimately what ended up being the deciding factor for her, and she says it in the very in their very last interview when they've gone to tea, when he's driven out to the seaside town where she spent the last 25 years of her life. And, um, you know, she's informing him of how, you know, since she last wrote to him, her circumstances have changed, her daughter's pregnant, you know, she, you know, and she mentions that she doesn't think, I mean, in, in a way, it's sort of an opening, but it's also a way of justifying things. But she says she doesn't think that there's any man in the world who needs her as much as her husband does, mm-hmm. you know, because, and they had showed a little meeting between them and he hasn't shaved. He missed a spot shaving right. and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, like, I think that she's kind of showing her cards there about what's important and that the fact that her husband was the one that actually, you know, made a point of making her feel necessary and important. Whereas Stevens was never able to, to make it seem like he... Well, he courted he, her like a yeah. man 
courts a woman. He took her on dates and he kissed her in the alleyway and he declared that he adored her and he asked her, you know, I would love to settle down and open a little, you know, B&B with you and stuff like that. And all all of which Stevens would never, could never even imagine to himself. Yeah. I I don't, but there's something to me that strikes me on an emotional level about feeling like you're needed. Mm Mm-hmm. Not not just emotionally, but definitely emotionally, but also physically. Like your presence is needed. You're mm-hmm. y- you to be of use. There's a quote something about to being a, to be of use. It's but the house values you very much. Yes, it's <laughs> you know. But I don't know. It's that was that is where she's saying that's what the difference is. Is that you know this guy was able to make me feel like I couldn't just be replaced by another housekeeper, you know? Right. You know, so. And then, you know, by that time, the, they've had a whole life together, you know, too. So, anyway, yeah, it was good. So, I it's been a long time since I've read the novel, but some interesting things that I still remember, you know, in terms of this being an adaptation, is the novel and you wouldn't necessarily think this is possible, is first-person mm-hmm. person narrative written from Stephen's point of view. So if you really, it's a lot, I mean, if you really want to get into mm-hmm. how much of this is self-deception, yeah, it's not like this is a narrative in the novel, yeah. like boiling over in any way with stuff that he's feeling but having any kind of internal conflict about expressing. It's repressed to the extent where you realize that this is um, an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. where it's written so well because you can see what he's not saying and what he's and have a sense of what he's feeling about yeah. Miss Kenton. But what he's saying in the film is a lot like what he's writing in his personal yeah. journal to himself. He talks a lot about the the rules and mores and routine of being a butler. He reads the journals and the whatever, the books about, you know, how the, the how to be the best manservant possible and has all kinds of little aphorisms and things like that. This is who he is yeah. at, at his core. So it, it works remarkably well as a novel and it and it and they managed to do it as a film too. Yeah. Well, I always I always think it's interesting because I don't know a lot about that other than the movies that I've seen but it always seems like the the head butler and the head um, housekeeper housekeeper they they're not expected to marry if and like all the servants if they do get married they leave service which just seems yeah. kind of a a strange way to go about things you know yeah it's interesting um, when Lizzie the young yeah. uh, the young housekeeper is going to you know given her notice to go off and marry Ben Chaplin, um, Miss Kenton says, you know, you have, you're, you're doing so well and you have the opportunity of a great career in service. Yeah. And so it's kind is... of a either or proposition. It seems like, yeah, it's fair. although at what point did Mr. Steven senior have, have a family and a yeah, child a and baby a, you know, butler. a baby Butler, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. And that must be like, a problem that like they figure will will maintain this they'll be single and celibate i guess because if not then your servants quarters are overrun with children i don't i don't know exactly what i don't know <laughs> yeah there's something we don't know about about the the, the mores the of uh, service yeah 
because it seems like it would be possible for I mean don't aren't there some things where like the gardener and the housekeeper are married or something like yeah. that they they can be man and wife well but. well in Downton Abbey Mrs. Bates and Mr. Bates and Anna got married so that's true and then all the terrible let's stuff not happened. go into yeah. all of that <laughs> That's that's no good. <laughs> I don't know if you watched that far, John Navi. <laughs> um, so, in some ways, this I connect remains of the day and this kind of regret at the end of one's life. Mm. With the, there's a tradition of that. Yeah. Right. There's the the Tolstoy story, the death of Ivan Ilyich, mm. about a man who's lived for nothing, who's now on his deathbed. It's a very cheerful story. I think it, is that the curtain rod one. I think so. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. he have a He stupid... like has an accident where he like stabs himself with the edge of a curtain rod or something like that. And then he's dying after yeah. been nothing but a yeah. like bureaucrat mm-hmm. with a family that really doesn't care about him. Who's, yeah. you know, just kind of, I don't know. It's great, but it's, it's, well, it's, it's interesting to think about that as far as like Ishiguro's, you know, influences and, and, and everything. If like you that. want to psychoanalyze me, what is, why am I accumulating these things all of a sudden? Because yeah. we went off to the Criterion DVD sale and I came back with Wild Strawberries, which is about an old, a 76 year old professor looking back at the end of his life. And I got Ikiru Dude, by. Dude, you're only 47. Man. I got Ikiru <laughs> by um, Akira Kurosawa, yeah. which is kind of like Death of yeah. Ivan Ilyich, only he has a, a chance for renewal and, and, uh, you know, something at the end, at the end, but, you know, looking back at our lives. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's funny to me that I identified more with this when I was young, you know, like, like, I, I, you know, so it's funny cause like, um, on unrelated, but like, I was totally like head and sinker for Bridget Jones when I saw it, when I was 19 mm -hmm. years old, when I watch Bridget Jones now, I'm like, this doesn't resemble my thirties at all yeah. even in the remotest but i was like totally like oh yeah i totally feel like bridget jones when well, i was 19 years old <laughs> it's funny because if you remember i mean audience right after we watched this i was like i wish i'd chosen something else for the show this week and i i think that i'm re- i'm just more acutely aware with this film than a lot of the other ones we've chosen so far that it looks a lot different to me now mm. than it once did yeah. You know, sometimes I go back to films that I consider to be favorites and I have an altogether new experience or deeper experience or they still yeah. resonate or they resonate in a different way. And then sometimes you go back to something and you just kind of have this feeling like, I remember when that was important to me. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like that to me anymore. I'm glad I got to share it with you, but I also, it's not what I remembered it to be. In some yeah. ways, maybe it's kind of disappointing mm-hmm. to go back to. I well, still not everything stands up to you know first yeah. viewing. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. And I can't 25 watch, years yeah. later. I have twenty five years more experience of seeing great films and reading great books. Yeah, well, that's you know same as the TV series we saw. I'm also know. probably not as repressed in uh, as I, I was. I in, would in, agree in, with in that. The early I mean, not 20s. to psychoanalyze Dave. <laughs> well, very I mean, much, this is... but he is a pretty open. Um, Emotionally open. I don't think I used to. I used to be more of a Stevens, probably. I mean, mm, although he is to such an extent that I don't know. Yeah, he almost comes across as being on the spectrum or something. Yeah, he does. He never quite learns to. I mean, I think a lot of us learn that. I mean, at least for me, <laughs> this has happened in my life too. Whereas I wouldn't express myself very much, and then yeah. um, I've learned because I I just was. 
I didn't want to bother any people with with things, you mm-hmm. know. I didn't want to distress anybody with my. Well, you were up like you were like this until fairly recently. Yeah, I think, yeah, until in the last few years, four or five years, yeah. Yeah, but then like you used to say you were like this when I didn't no longer thought you were like this because yeah. you know you wouldn't be able to say that then. But I don't know. It's I I understand that sort of. I mean, not quite that buttoned up, but you know when there's a lot of you're risking pain to express things. Although yeah. I, he wouldn't even do that. He wouldn't risk anything. He was just routine and. But yeah, I think there's something to. Um, something more that he couldn't get past. You know, he uses the routine of things and the proper way to do things as an excuse. You know, it's like just a hyper defense. All those scenes where he's measuring or or (laughs) measuring, you know, how close the knife goes to the glass and stuff like that. (laughs) It's like really important that it be done to the millimeter. Yeah. And he's even training his underbutler. But it's like, really? Does this matter? (laughs) Uh, there's something enviable about that because like truly he found his calling like his whole life that's all he wanted to do some of us don't have that um yeah but well he he found his calling but he is at the end of the film you get some you get the impression of somebody who's very deeply sad and who wasted his life yeah it's the hound flapping so, speaking of flapping, what do you make of the final scene of the movie with the uh, the uh, the the house has been purchased by the senator by the congressman mm-hmm. played by Chris, the American congressman by Christopher Reeve years later comes back and purchases Darlington Hall and the, they're preparing it again and they're, they're in the empty room that was once the place where the banquet was or the drawing room where they they had the um, delegation with all the international players come for Darlington and now it's an empty room with a ping pong table yeah and the pigeon comes flapping mm. into the room and they have and they they're trying to get this pigeon out of the room <laughs> is this a metaphor of some kind what is the pigeon <laughs> It's a nice moment, but I, it's I don't know I don't know what the American coming back is supposed to signify either. It's 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 not in the novel. I, yeah. if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody remembers the book out there, um, you can write us an email. But I I think that that's all um, an expanded thing in in, in the mm-hmm. in the film. Um, Stevens is the American, uh, delegate for the conference. I don't think that he is not the person who purchases Darlington Hall. There's no frame story with him. As far as I recall coming back, it doesn't actually really make sense that he did. It's, it's, it's done almost, it's like, it's literary in a way the book isn't, you know, in terms of like wrapping a circle or a bow around everything to have the American who was right or whatever also signify the modern world and the Americanization of everything and, you know, coming back and purchasing this traditional old house and and making it something new. Yeah, I don't know what happened in the book, but it seems like it just, it allows him to continue. It continues to not allow him to change. Like he just will be a servant until, you know. Well, it's like several times in his life, literally several times, two times, whatever, mm-hmm. he had an opportunity for something more yeah. with Miss Kenton. Both of these times, even this yeah. new time, he still could have said something. He still could have made some kind of declaration. He still, I don't know. Well, but even even to yeah. say that he had feelings, whether or not anything came out of it, but he never did, you know? So he's going to, he's going to go back to 
the routine at the at the end of his days mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he's a butler yeah. and that's all that he is Do you have any last thoughts about the uh, about the movie before we um, we wrap this up? We're getting close to time. I think that's all I have. Excellent. Have you decided what we're doing next time? Um, so I'm going for a very different tone. <laughs> um, so Dave has not seen uh, the Steve Martin film The Jerk, which is um, comedy classic that. Uh, um, that I think that everyone should see. Um, and I think there should be I some interesting discussions um, around some of the um, humor and um, how things have changed since the early 80s or late 70s. When's the last time you saw it? I mean, we should save some of this for next time. Uh, but I would say four five okay. years ago. Maybe All a right. little longer. So yeah. next time in two weeks, we'll be doing The Jerk with Steve mm-hmm. Martin. Yeah. And um, that's it for Remains of the Day. But again, if anyone out there has anything you want to add to the conversation, drop us a line. Um, We have an email address for the show. It's shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. We would. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks with The Jerk. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.